Welcome to episode 42 of the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm Brittany Lomboss. This, of course, is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flicks, and we are recording in Pigeontown, New Orleans. Yeah. Brittany, it's Halloween. We've been watching, like, too many spooky movies. <laughs> a lot, a lot of spooky movies going on. I feel like there's, like, a, a year-round desire for us to watch scary movies anyway, but, like... Around mm-hmm. this time. The pressure at- gets really hard where I'm like, there's other stuff going on, like other movies coming out on like Netflix and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I have to watch a horror movie. I have to put this off. It's like, you just feel like you have to do it. Yeah. There's people who try to watch 31 new horror movies every October. Hmm. It's like a challenge <laughs> to like, oh, I'm going to try to watch all this different horror stuff. I could never possibly do that because I feel like by the time we get to this point of the month. I'm done. Like, I've seen too much. It takes the the magic out of it almost <laughs> when you do it too much, where it's like, all right, someone's going to die. It's going to be disgusting. Whatever, whatever. I don't know. I need some, some rom-coms again. <laughs> I think it's partly, too, just because, like, we watch them year-round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think the ones we're going to talk about today aren't necessarily, like, your normal uh, Halloween, typical spooky movie, I don't think. there's These are a little more lighthearted and, like... <laughs> Like, bu- like bubblegum pop kind of like mainstream horror stuff. It's guess, not like yeah. nasty like 70s slashers or... Right. They're very unique. Right. Definitely. They're more gimmicky, I guess. Yes. Which is good because I kind of needed a little like... I need to be sh- shaken out of like watching too much of the same stuff over and over again. Right. What have you been watching besides the movie we were talking about today? So like we were talking... We have been like junking out on horror movies and slasher flicks and shit like that. I watched um, Home Sweet Home. Never heard of it. It's horrible it's from it's a 1981 movie about an escaped mental patient that's high on pcp (laughs) and he's like on the loose so it's a lot of like you know radios kind of going off and you've got the announcer going you know please be careful like lock your doors there's like a pcp addicted mental patient on the loose it's really weird and it's like filmed in a very dark way like not dark as in like metal dark but as in it's just the lighting's really really dark so it's hard to see shit and the killer the pcp addicted mental patient looks like lou ferrigno oh wow and he's just like raging the whole time but basically this family is having a thanksgiving weekend or whatever you want to call it at this like ranch out in the middle of nowhere so it's a Thanksgiving slasher flick. I don't think there's too many of those out there. So that kind of makes it unique. I think the PCP aspect definitely has my interest. <laughs> More than the Thanksgiving meal. I think so. Um, like what if there were like a bath salts killer movie to come out right now? It's like kind right. of the same vibe. Whatever like the new hot thing is. Right. There's a lot of violent deaths going on. Like this guy like gets to the ranch and he starts just like smashing people's heads into rocks because he's like... On PCP and he is ripped. Like, he is just crushing necks. <laughs> and there's a guy who, um, his dad owns the ranch. Um, it's his son. And he's part of the KISS army. He looks like a mime. He's got, like, the corpse paint on. Right. I thought he was a mime at first. <laughs> because he was really weird. But he literally has got, like, the shittiest, fit, like, KISS paint. Face paint. And he goes around with a guitar and an amp everywhere and just like goes up to people and like does a little shred and like leaves (laughs) and everyone hates him and they think he's super annoying and he falls in love with this spanish woman 
who is there and she plays like you know guitar she's like you know a little guitar senorita um and he kind of like falls in love with her but she's like with some other guy that's there and his his goal is to like protect her from this like killer that's on the ranch it's super weird i know you said it's terrible (laughs) but you're kind of like selling me on it (laughs) it's i mean it really isn't horrible it's just kind of bland oh yeah I was expecting it to be a little more intense, but are there a lot I don't of kills? Know. There's a lot of kills. You would like it. I you would know what? Like you it. would like it. I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, it's not really that bad. I think I was kind of giving it shit. Um, and it was also directed by a woman. Oh, awesome! Which is pretty cool. So I watched that. It was it was okay. It was interesting. Finally got to see the babysitter. Oh yeah. Who's who's the guy that directed it again? Mick G. Mick G. <laughs> Um, yeah, I give this a light recommendation last episode. I loved it. I liked it too. I thought it was so fun. It remi- I can't think of what it reminded me of. But it really goes with the vibe of like what we were going to be talking about today, I think. Mm-hmm. Like the bubblegum pop horror. Yeah. Where it's like a Britney Spears music video goes bad. Yeah. Um, that's like a new Netflix movie release. It's really quick. Yeah. The sets reminded me of like super Cat quick. Hat. It's like super yeah. bright. Yeah. It's like I couldn't figure out. I'm like, is this modern times or is this like the 70s? Yeah. But it's modern times with a 70s twist. <laughs> so you've got like this crazy turquoise like wallpaper and shaggy rugs and stuff like that and lots of fun music. And what's her face? Oh, God. I can't think of her name, but she's like big in the social media life right now. She has red hair. She was a cheerleader uh, that gets shot in the tit. I know who you're talking about. It's not Blake Lively, but it's not she's Blake. got a name. Uh, Blake or Blair. <laughs> oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Um, I'm going to look it up. Bella Thorne. Bella Thorne. Yeah, she's a Disney Channel star. Okay. So. If you actually Google image, like. She's nuts. If you Google image the babysitter, all of the, like, top results are just her taking Instagram photos from the set because her social media presence is, like, so strong that it, like, overpowers <laughs> the regular, like, advertising material for the movie, which is nuts. That's very... Well, it, it makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. But I liked it. It's, you know, basically about a babysitter that's also a Satanist, and the guy, the little kid she babysits is, like, you know, gets bullied and all this kind of shit, and he thinks that she's super cool. She kind of saves him from the bullies and hangs out with him, makes him feel like he's, you know a decent human being so he kind of gravitates towards her and then he stays up late at night to see like you know if she's having like sex with dudes that she's bringing over and all this <laughs> and then really she's got all her friends and they're sacrificing someone by like stabbing his head and draining the blood from his wounds um <laughs> it's very it's, bloody it's, it's like so, so much gory. blood <laughs> blood is everywhere and like the whole time i'm just like how is this getting cleaned up so fast how is this getting cleaned up so fast like did she do it all the time like, every time she babysat him? Or was this, like, a one-time ritual? Did you get that? Towards the end, he's, he says, like, I'm not the first kid, am I? And she's like, no, I've, we've tried this ritual before, and it never works because mm. uh, no one's ever pure enough. So his blood is supposed to be special because he's such an innocent young yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah she um, pretends to, like, dr- fake drug him and gets his blood. But, um, but, yeah, it was very cool. It was very fun, very attention-grabbing the entire time. Like, there wasn't, like, one part where I was like, ugh, whatever. Lots of fun deaths, like really, really, like a firework under the house death, like some crazy shit. When I was like reviewing it, I, I was thinking about Riverdale a lot. Oh yeah, this is the Riverdale slasher? satanic slasher. <laughs> yeah, because it's like right. They all have these like pristine cheerleader uniforms and like jock outfits. Right, and it's lit 
like an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. It's also very sassy and like... Yes. Yeah. It's like a bubblegum pop movie, like we said earlier. Very it's, true. another word for it. Bubblegum pop horror. It's a new <laughs> genre yeah. that we made up, but it's true. <laughs> so I watched that and then I finally got to see Raw... Oh, yeah. Oh, holy shit. Finally on Netflix. So good. It's on Netflix. It's fantastic. Probably my favorite movie that came out this year so far. Oh, wow. Which is basically, it's like a French horror movie, which those are always like dark. (laughs) There's never been like a lighthearted French horror film. Yeah, they're known for like extreme gore. so intense. Yeah. This one's just very like haunting. Like it's not, it's very slow pace. It's like you never really get your questions answered, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, God, like something happened, something happened. But I like that where it just kind of like has you on the edge of your seat the whole time, and you're just like, Oh God, like what what's going on? Like what's the answer to all this shit? But it's basically about this girl who goes to a veterinary school, um, and she's a vegetarian, and then there's the whole like fraternity sorority shit, which I hate in real life. So this was interesting <laughs> seeing it in a bad light. <laughs> And they, like, make, they force her pretty much to eat, like, a rabbit heart or kidney or something. And then after she has that, she just starts, like, she gets this weird rash and, like, it almost, like, awakens something in her. And then her sister, like, is giving her bikini wax and she accidentally cuts her finger off and then she eats her sister's finger and then she realizes she's into, like, eating humans and then... Her sister kind of, there's kind of hints that she's a cannibal as well a little bit. So it's almost like it's in their blood, which is interesting. I don't think I've ever seen a movie like that before where like cannibalism's hereditary. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was like a metaphor about like mental illness within the family because that's also like a hereditary thing. But most reviews I've read more focus on just the anxiety of like discovering yourself at college and like not really knowing who you are and like once you have that freedom these like different things awaken in you and you don't know what to do with those desires (laughs) i was just like cannibalism's hereditary yeah fuck that's scary (laughs) yeah the uh sister reminded me a lot of feruza balkan the craft yeah like a nancy vibe kind of like like an instigator kind of shit stirrer that likes to stir the pot a little bit for her own benefit not really caring about anybody else but kind of at the same time like yeah so that's the the big three that I've been watching. Those, are, those all sound good. They're I've all re- pretty good. Was the first one Home Sweet Home? Home Sweet Home. I need to see that. You know what? You would like it. I need to watch it again. I was reading the description of it before I saw it, and I was like, oh, this sounds fucking crazy. And I'm like, oh, I just didn't live up to the hype, yeah. but it's still decent. Well, <laughs> on Friday night, I went to see the new Saw movie. Ugh. Because it was the only Gross. thing playing in the theater that looked fun, and I really just needed to get out of the house for a few hours. And it was very boring. Um, really? Yeah. I'm not really a fan of that series. I've only seen the second one, and I don't remember liking that either. And this was... It's called Jigsaw, and it's like 11 years after the last movie. So you would think it would be this like new take on the Saw franchise and like kind of reinventing the wheel, you know? Mm-hmm. But instead, it's... Just like a return to the old format. And although I was kind of bored by it, even though the gore was like really strong and the torture <laughs> porn scenarios like just kind of like washed over me, like I didn't really care, but it, it desensitizes it, you. It is pretty intense, but yeah. it's hard to like care about any of the characters because they're all like these archetypes. Right. But even though I was bored with it, I did find it kind of enlightening because okay. it was like produced by Lionsgate and. There was a time where, like, every cheap to mid-budget horror film was produced by Lionsgate. Like, yeah. they kind of had the run of the place. 
And it was just, like, a good reminder of, like, how much better horror is now. Like, now that we have stuff like Raw or, like, Bloomhouse puts out stuff like Get Out. And right. You got A24 does, like, The Witch. and Right. Like, good shit's yeah, coming out. It's been a really great few years for, like, horror stuff. And this was, like, a weird flashback to the mid-2000s, early 2000s, like, torture porn, like, Bush era. <laughs> It's not nearly as good. It was just so gore-heavy. And grimy. Oh, well, you just feel, like, dirty and lots of, like, bacterial infections in the air. Yeah. But interesting you brought that up, because, like, the other day I was kind of thinking about Saw. I'm like, I should kind of revisit that, because I remember watching the first one, and then the second one came out in theaters. It was either the second or third one, and my friends were like, well, let's go see Saw. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, just trying to, like, go on with the crowd. Right. And my mom brought us, so she had to come with us because we were, like, underage. <laughs> and then she got so grossed out that she snuck out to go see the Santa Claus too. Wow. That's, that's the scary movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what was she thinking? But I just remember seeing it in theaters and the whole time, like, why are we here? Like, it was just so, like, disgusting. Like, I didn't comprehend what was happening it was just like one shit show after the other it was just like how how gross can it get how weird can someone die like the movie's competing with itself like to be like what could what can wow you next it's kind of like lady gaga like yeah. how further can i push the envelope that's what i remember hating about the second one when i saw it in the theater was that like nothing really meant anything mm-hmm. like there's a big reveal at the end about who's been working in cahoots with J- jigsaw yeah, who gives a shit at that but point? yeah and it, di- <laughs> it just did not jive with mm-hmm. like any of the movie that came before it like it didn't make any narrative sense at all mm-hmm. it was just just for the shock of the reveal the new one was directed by the people who did Predestination. It's like this pair of brothers. And that's a sci-fi time travel movie oh. that I really like with cool. Ethan Hawke from a few years ago. I have ago. not seen that. And they don't really add any kind of like new element to the Jigsaw like formula until mm-hmm. the last like five minutes. And then there's this big build that almost feels like the movie turns from a horror film to like a superhero origin story. Okay. I was like, well, that might have been interesting like an hour ago, but I just watched a whole other movie. Like, you can't just end on a new note mm-hmm. and have me be like, oh, that was a very interesting take. Because mm-hmm. most of it was just like a carbon copy of what came before it. Right. And it's also interesting to see, like, since the torture porn era is over, it's kind of like been disseminated into different forms of media that's like more commercial. A lot of the scenes where they're in this like morgue looking at all these like chewed apart torn in half sawed into pieces bodies didn't really look any different from than like a csi episode or something Whoa. like when i go over to my parents yeah. house they're always watching the most disgusting gorehound shit and it's just like some police procedural and that's what this right. felt like like saw has just been like sort of absorbed in like the wider culture to the point where it's not shocking anymore it just kind of feels like pedestrian right television so anyway it was it was an interesting experience gotcha. but not necessarily like a pleasant one okay and like I said earlier, I've been watching a lot of like horror classic stuff this yeah. month. Um, I ran through like From Beyond and John Carpenter's Halloween, and this morning I saw Bride of Frankenstein. I've been revisiting all these like older titles, like classic Halloween, yeah, films. But yes. the one that stood out to me was actually the trashiest one with the worst reputation, which I guess is kind of my mo. Um, <laughs> the Cha Cha Du Bigorio of films. <laughs> the what? <laughs> you just you ever watch Grease? Grease? Yeah. Yes. Cha-Cha, how she's like, I'm the best dancer at St. Bernadette's, and they're like, oh, with the worst reputation. Uh, I thought you were doing <laughs> okay, a play yeah, on yeah. that. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but I revisited um, Ken Russell's The Layer of the White Worm. 
which I hadn't seen since oh, high school. That um, uh, rom-com king, what's his name? Hugh Grant? Hugh isn't Grant's it? in it. And Peter Capaldi. It's a adaptation of a Bram Stoker novel that no one likes. Like, oh. the original novel's like a total mess with all this like weird racial stuff in it. And like, Ouch. a lot of it redoes Dracula, but like not really on purpose. It's like uh-huh. Stoker ripping himself off. And Ken Russell takes the book and reshapes it into this weird sexed up vampire film with like this dominatrix snake woman who like doesn't hide the fact that she's a snake at all she like dresses like a snake and she goes snake hunting and like plays snakes and ladders board games at her house and dresses like a weird dominatrix when she's just like lounging around and ropes all these people into this like sex ritual she's trying to put on this like occultist finale that's supposed to summon this giant white worm it's so much like my favorite Ken Russell movies, just kind of all mashed into one nice. weird piece. Like, it's got all the weird sex stuff from Crimes of Passion. Mm-hmm. Like, even with, like, the phallic murder weapon that's just, like, a sharpened dildo. Like, that's <laughs> part of this. There's scenes where she spits venom on people, because she's a snake, and the venom makes them hallucinate. And the hallucinations are, like, a mashup of what he did in The Devils and in Altered States. It's, like, this kind of, like crash course and like all the great things about ken russell all in this one cheesy vampire movie with this like shape-shifting snake woman i really love it it's definitely a trashier movie than most of the stuff i've been watching but it's like the standout i've had in the past month so she's trying to summon the white worm right but she also is a a worm kind of yeah so are they snakes and worms or do they coexist they describe it in the movie like worm is like an outdated term that basically means like dragon like the oh. worm is this giant. It's dragon. not like a Tremors thing. It looks like Tremors actually. Interesting. Like it looks like a Sid and Marty Croft, like almost like Falcor kind of like creation. Is uh, it fuzzy? Does it have fur? No fur. But like a fleshy worm, like yeah, what yeah. you think a worm would look like. Right. It's, okay. It basically it's it's very phallic. It's got like a big mushroom head and like sharp teeth, and mm. it's just Ken Russell doing his normal like silly, so yeah. silly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That sounds really neat. Yeah. I've never seen it, and I think you've like recommended it to me like a buttload of times. Yeah. Well, I made you watch Crimes of Passion, which is one of my loved favorites. that. Yeah. So that's my favorite Ken Russell movie. This one's just like a good overall view of his career in like a tight little package. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, okay. I, Really enjoy it. it. Sounds like fun. I like Hugh Grant a lot. I've never seen him in a movie like that. He's really young in this too, so he looks super yeah. hot. <laughs> cool. And he wears these like wireframe glasses and stuff. Um, <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about, like we said, sort of mainstream horror films, specifically stuff that cropped up out of the boom that happened after Scream. So like Scream in like yeah. the mid '90s, sort of like reinvigorated mainstream like expensive horror films yeah and these movies all came in it's like wake that's very true i didn't even think about it in that way so yeah we're gonna be talking about you know slashers and like supernatural thrillers but this will be like a very specific corner of that not necessarily like the normal horror stuff you would usually binge on every halloween right and all that's coming up to you right Right now now. it is a well-known fact that beauty is skin deep savor the taste you are what you eat well, that's sweet, I think. It's the strangest Valentine I've ever seen. Oh, look, it's not for Max. Look, J.M. must be for you. Why? Because you've covered much more of the alphabet than I have. Who's J.M.? Bite me, it's definitely for you. 
And now it's time for our regular Movie of the Minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And this time, Brittany made me watch a horror film called Valentine. Yes. What is that? So Valentine is that early 2000s slasher flick that's, you know, it kind of sounds like a basic plot and everything like that. But it's it's interesting because it takes place around Valentine's Day and the killer wears a cherub mask Mm -hmm. (laughs) and has like a nosebleed every time he kills. Um, But basically it's about these group of girls. They're all kind of terrible. And they made fun of this kid in high school and he had a really traumatic experience where um, one of the girls like kisses him and it's consensual and then they catch her and because she doesn't want to be like associated with like having kissed this weirdo she's like oh he attacked me blah blah so they like beat the shit out of him embarrass him and he like has to go to a reform school and he comes back later and like kills all these girls one by one it's interesting because before like he kills them he sends them all these like little valentine's day cards and it's like a card and it looks normal and it's sweet and everything like that like one of them it's like roses are red violets are blue and she opens it up and it's like they'll need dental records to identify you (laughs) right and you pull up the cardboard piece and it's like a little knife and a woman's throat slit it's or he sends this one girl chocolates with maggots inside of them (laughs) um (laughs) you are what you eat was the line in his valentine's day card for that yeah well what did you think about valentine well (laughs) what worried me about the movie at first was so you're introduced to the character at Mm -hmm. this like junior high prom right and like you said he gets rejected a bunch and later comes back to kill them for rejecting him and inadvertently getting him to sent to like reform school and i thought at first that the movie was going to be this sort of like men's right activist kind of thing like these women shouldn't have shunned this poor guy like he didn't deserve to be shunned that way like they all deserve to die for it and instead it's kind of like this ultra feminine like almost rom-com setup Mm -hmm. like all the girls are just sort of like living single trying to like find dates you got denise richards as sort of like the the leader of the pack right and katherine heigl is billed in the movie like very highly but it's kind of like drew barrymore and scream like she only makes it away yeah she gets killed immediately yeah so as you go along you start to recognize that the movie is like definitely on the women's side here and what i really like is that the like main thesis of the film is just that all men are trash uh they her- say that a couple of times like they make comments like yeah. that mm-hmm. like guys are all creepy uh there's like a <laughs> cop that's supposed to be helping them but he doesn't take anything they say seriously and like feels up denise richard's leg without her permission right there's a neighbor character who sneaks into one of the girls apartments <laughs> Gary. to try on her clothes when yeah. she's not home there's like a pompous artist who's trying to trick his girlfriend into a threesome that she's not interested in. And that weird guy in the beginning that like talks about himself in the third person. Like, yeah. Jason doesn't like this. And like, that that bad blind date from hell definitely felt like a scene from a rom-com. Yeah. And it yeah. set the mood in a funny way. I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize I was going to be watching something super like high feminine. Which is, I guess what I was saying earlier about this movie just being lighter than I expected. Just mm-hmm. It is like a, I don't want to say it's like a fluff, but it's got that kind of rom-com like cheese and it just happens to have this slasher narrative <laughs> sort of like interrupting what would be like a normal katherine heigl movie right this and is there's... like 27 dresses with a psychotic <laughs> killer in it yes there's actually a movie with katherine heigl where she goes on a blind date with somebody in mm. the beginning like that i want to say it's um the ugly truth i've never heard of that one 
You would hate it. <laughs> I don't really know that much from her. I like her a lot. I like know like Knocked Up and like a couple other things like mm-hmm. that. But so yeah, I was surprised by how much I like the movie just because it knows that maybe these girls are like kind of like mean in that thirties living single, getting kind of bitter about the dating scene kind of way. Like they're kind of catty about men in that way, but all of the men in their lives justify so much more skepticism than they even give. Right. Like every guy in this movie is so gross. Uh, <laughs> David Boreanaz plays this uh, like alcoholic guy who's like kind of taking advantage of his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, there's another character who is like even more of a leech and is just like sucking this poor rich girl dry. Yes. Um, yeah. Campbell. Right. Yeah. He like is just using her for money. He's a con artist. Right. A grifter. And that was my, like, big takeaway from the movie is, like, it actually is, like, critical of men in a way that I found really surprising and positive, considering, like, how gross it could have been if this was actually, like, shaming these women for not kissing this boy the way he wanted to when he was 10 and being like, oh, you should have been nicer to this kid. It's like, not really. Like, everybody's gross here. Uh, That's a good... I didn't even look at it that way. I just thought, like, oh, like, it's like um, a bully getting revenge. Yeah. Kind of situation but no i didn't even look at it in that light but you're very very right did you happen to see happy death day from this year i have not it's set on actually kind of loyola's campus is where it filmed was filmed and it's super girly in the same way that this movie is Mm -hmm. uh it's like this girl keeps reliving the same day over and over again like groundhog's day and every time she gets killed she wakes up hung over again in this dorm room and it's the same kind of setup where like there's all these like evil men in her life that like could be her killer so it reminded me a lot of this, and it also has the same plastic mask situation, except in Happy Death Day, it's a baby, and in this one, it's Cupid, who kind of <laughs> kind of looks like a happy, right. like a baby anyway. Uh, isn't he a, a fat baby? I guess the, the va- St. Valentine mask isn't quite Cupid, right. but he does kill a woman with That's like Cupid's true. arrow at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's very sweet. I guess where I'm going with this is, in Happy Death Day, what I appreciated about it was that the music was also super poppy. Cool. Like, it was like pop music, like gl- glitzy soundtrack. And in Valentine, what really struck me was that it has, like, a very strong new metal soundtrack. Which a lot of, like, films, like, I Know We Did Last Summer, Scream, like, all these, like, movies, like, it was, like, new metal. Yeah. Is the jam. Yeah, this one had, like, Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie and, yeah, just, like, all the, like, all the big new metal hits. Yes. Which kind of didn't fit the tone of the film, I don't think. (laughs) I don't think that these women that were following in the movie would listen to, like, Rob Zombie in their free time. Well, I think it was to make the movie, like, seem sexy. Mm-hmm. I feel like new Metal does that to, like, all these kind of movies versus, like, having a pop soundtrack. It, it weirded <laughs> me out. Like, it was just, like, such a standard around that time for right. you to want to go out and buy the I Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack because it had, like... <laughs> I did it. I did, too. I had, that, I had that on CD. We're guilty. But, yeah, I feel like that was just sort of, like, an automatic thing that it had to have that soundtrack. Right. And I think the movie might have benefited from, like, pop music. You're right. I guess so. Who would have been, like, pop in the 2000s? Probably, like, a lot of Britney Spears, Christina. Yeah. Savage Garden? I don't know. Oh, like, that... I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, that kind of pop. No, yeah. you're right. Like, sexier, romantic pop music. Right. There was, like, no... Not one song like that. Like, no. it was all just, like, heavy, very intense music. Yeah. 
Um, so, did you see this when you were a kid? Yes. Did you, and you you enjoyed it a lot then? I thought it was fun. Like, it was, uh, I remember being really, really scared of it and creeped <laughs> out. So The mask that, is creepy. It's, I think that's why, where it was just kind of like, oh god, creepy mask. And, like, the way these people die is pretty, like, morbid. Which, interesting about, like, the way that they die. Let's talk about that for a hot second. Okay. How there's apparently this, like, foreshadowing of, like, the comments that they make to the guy in the beginning, and it goes as to how each of them die. I only noticed one. Uh-huh. Uh, Denise Richards says, I'd rather boil alive than dance with you. <laughs> and then she gets boiled alive in a hot tub. Yeah. Well, she, that's one of them. And then Shelly says, like, in your dreams, loser to him. Mm-hmm. And she gets killed, like, in a sleeping position where she's in, like, a oh. body bag. And Lily tells him, like, just you. And then she's the girl that gets the maggots. And then she gets thrown in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dorothy's the one that basically, like, faked him attacking her yeah and he kind of fakes her attack as well right she like he like fakes out that she's the killer exactly uh and i do like that there's like a double twist at the end i don't want to say who right. the killer is right uh just in case people do want to see it exactly but the movie does it's a big like, twist there's like two twists like it, it twists and then twists right. again which is pretty right. interesting no totally and uh as far as like the killer actually being creepy that effect of the nosebleed coming through the plastic mask is so very cool. effective it's so, like, iconic. Like, that could be such a great Halloween costume. Like, a Cupid mask with a nosebleed and just, like, all black. He wears, like, this black coat that kind of, like, obscures his body. With his, like, Cupid arrows. Yeah. Which, that was a really cool death scene where they're going through, like, the sexy maze. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets attacked by the Cupid arrows. Oh, and the, uh, they're in, like, this video art installation maze. Right. Uh, with it's all just these, like, like, different eyeballs. And and the big mouth is like, I love you. I love you. I yeah. love you. And then just, like, lingerie ads. It's very insane. What I like about that is that everyone agrees that that art is terrible. <laughs> like, it kind of looks good for the camera, but it is, like, pretentious nonsense. It's shit. And every mm-hmm. single character who ever references the artist is like, oh, I know that guy. He makes terrible art. Right. It's <laughs> true. Even the cop says Yeah. It. <laughs> I don't know, I just really like it. I feel like it's, it's a good story. It's a good mystery because, like you were saying, there's a couple of twists. Like you, It's hard to figure out and pinpoint it. Yeah. And it's got like a 90s, even though this is early 2000s, it's got a very 90s like dating scene vibe to right. it. it there's like the VHS me. dating tapes yes. and like speed dating. <laughs> speed dating and the tapes. Yeah. It reminded me of um, one of our old movie of the month, Head Over Heels. A I was going to bring that up, actually. It had like a similar vibe. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie does have like a much popular soundtrack, even exactly. though it is about murder. the 90s gay club soundtrack. Yes. They should put that in here. Yeah, if this movie was like <laughs> scored by LaBouche, you know, it would have oh, been yeah. like so much better. Totally. But that really is my only one complaint about what could have made it better. Like, I kind of went in expecting just like a trashy genre film starring Denise Richards, and I actually, like, was pleasantly surprised by it having something to say, and it not feeling like just any old slasher. Like, this isn't, like, Urban Legend or something. It's it's not, like, just a copycat slasher film. It's got a different aesthetic to it. And the only film I could think to compare it to is Happy Death Day, which just came out a month ago. God, I need to see it. Yeah. I remember the commercial with the baby mask. Oh, uh, yeah. It was super silly. It looks a lot like the King Cake Baby from... Uh, baby Cake. The, the basketball team, yeah. Oh, oh, not the Baby Cake Baby. The You're right, the King Cake Baby for the Hornet. They're no, not the Hornets Pel- anymore. Pelicans. Pelicans. Yeah. Shit. I know a lot about sports, by the way. <laughs> also, just... Like, since it seems like we're wrapping up, I mm-hmm. want to say I've kind of accidentally become a Denise Richards fan. How so? Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about she's this. She's not a particularly great actress. Mm, have you not seen Wild Things? The, I, Let's talk about she's this. Like, she's like fun <laughs> bad in that movie. Okay. 
And she's fun bad in this movie, too. She is. And I think that's kind of what's happened. She's a good, like, evil, like, evil bitch woman. Yeah, she's, like... Which I love. Kind of stuck up, but she also just, like, knows that she's pretty is, mm-hmm. like, kind of where that attitude comes from. <laughs> so, let's see. Wild Things, like you just mentioned. Yes. Valentine. Tammy and the T-Rex is a really fun movie where she's, like... A high school girl and her boyfriend's brain gets replaced in a T-Rex body. Yes! Yeah, that's really fun. Um, Starship Troopers, fantastic film. <laughs> uh, what's the fifth one? Oh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which she actually is really good at Oh, that. she's awesome in that movie. Yeah, and that's like the height of her knowing that she's pretty and just like not having anyone else's shit because she doesn't have to. Right. Because of that fact. So yeah, I've kind of like always considered her kind of like a subpar actress but i don't know if it's just the roles that she chose and all these like weird genre films but she just picks projects that appeal to me so i've kind of accidentally become a fan over the years and this movie kind of sealed it for me interesting i I can't think of any other movies she's been in other than those those are the good ones yeah (laughs) i've always liked her always liked her she has like a very like evil kind of look to her eyes and i don't know naturally evil yeah I believe there's a sort of force, uh, an unseen malevolent presence that's all around us every day, and it determines when we live and die. And some people call this force the devil, you know, but I think that whole religious thing is. So I prefer to call it death itself. So I'm surrounded by death? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day, everywhere, all the time. So, for our feature conversation, we're going to dive into the entirety of a film franchise. Yes. uh, Which is a little, like, ambitious, but this was a movie series that I never saw when it came out. I got it experienced a uh, sting of deja vu while watching the first one. Yeah. uh, Which is kind of good because the movie is, like, deja vu based. Uh, (laughs) You really got to feel what he was feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is from the year 2000. The first film is called Final Destination, of which there are five entries (laughs) that go all the way up through 2011. So over the course of a decade, there's there's five of these things. I had seen the first one, which I didn't realize about, like, 10 minutes into watching it that I had seen it before. But the rest of these were all new experiences for me. Yeah. Um, do you have any prior experience with Final Destination? Um, I remember... I watched the first one for sure. Um, the second one, I've only seen the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the fifth one because it came out in 3D and I didn't get to go. Oh, no. So that's the only thing like I had any memory of Final Destination with. So, so yeah, we're uh, both coming in pretty fresh newbies. here. Yeah. FD and newbies. This series... Also came from that post-Scream era of, like, mainstream, well-funded horror. Which, even Mm -hmm. now, as we have this, like, new era of, like, really well-done horror films, they're all cheap. Like, Bloomhouse and A24 and all these, like, boutique labels that are making a ton of money doing horror films aren't really spending a lot of money on making them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think think It, this year, was, like, the first, like, big, expensive one that's come out in a while that actually, like, made its money back. Because right. usually when people do a big mainstream horror in the 2010s, they make it PG-13 so they can sell as, like, as wide of a range of tickets as possible. Mm-hmm. So going back to Final Destination, which is like this really gory series, 
Uh, the deaths get more and more gruesome as it goes along. It was just an interesting look back. It's like, oh yeah, we used to have these expensive like CGI horror films all right, the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the sequels do get a little cheaper after the first one, where there's more CGI and less like physical set pieces. Right. But it was it was just an interesting like time travel back. But the interesting thing about the series, unlike Scream or Valentine or Urban Legend or any of these films, there's no killer. The films are like. <laughs> Kind of an argument that a slasher villain is kind of a redundancy because life itself is trying to kill us all the time. Right. It's even uh, scarier. Yeah. If anything. <laughs> so all the deaths in the movies are these like elaborate accidents. Right. Where death is just trying to claim what's his. It's just a, a, like a little wind. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like they could have been stupid with it and had like some dark cloaked figure doing shit or something like that. But they didn't go that route. And I think that's really cool. You do the, get that a little bit with Tony Todd who played Candyman. Oh, um, the funeral guy. Yeah, he plays a coroner in this series, and he appears in... He, he physically appears in three of five of them. <laughs> yeah. And he voices a character in one. And I actually have a Tony Todd test with these films. I believe that the Final Destination movies, you can determine whether or not they're any good by whether or not Tony Todd appears in them. Ooh, so okay. we'll, we'll talk about the Candyman test as we go along. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Uh, the first film from the year 2000 does pass the Candyman test. Yes. Tony Todd is in so the film. Good. And it is the best in the series. I know, and I hate being that, like, oh, it's the original, the best one. But it really is. Yeah. Like, it's so, it's not cheesy, I guess. It's, it can be. And it comes close to being cheesy stupid, but it doesn't cross the line. Um, and also, fucking Stan from the Eminem video is Alex. Is Alex the main kid? Yeah. So that's Devin Sawa, right? Yes. So Sawa. Also, like, uh, <laughs> girls girls in our age range, um, totally in love with this kid because he was Casper in the flesh at the end of the oh, Casper movie. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I just remember him from the Eminem video for Stan. He's uh, not an especially attractive person, <laughs> which kind of like, weirds me out. He kind of looks like the guy from the OC, but with, like, weirder teeth. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let me stop judging this guy's look. No, 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 you're right. But it's just funny because because of Casper, he has right. this kind of like reputation for being a heartthrob. But really, he like peaked at ten years old. <laughs> like, by the time he made Final Aww. Destination, he wasn't as like hottest anymore. So Alex Devon Sawa finds himself yes on a trip to Paris with his like class. This is like their senior trip um, for their like French studies, and he decides while he's on the plane. That the plane is going to crash. He has like this elaborate premonition of the plane going down in flames and everyone dying on it. And he snaps out of this premonition and he just gets this feeling that everything's going to go wrong. And the movie builds on feelings like that. Like a wind will blow by. And Always trust your gut. Yeah. John Denver's um, Rocky Mountain High plays on the radio while he's in the uh, airport bathroom. And he's like, John Denver died in a plane crash. Why would they play this in an airport? So he just gets like a really like just wrong feeling. And that bathroom scene is like they're on the toilet. Mm -hmm. Like it's really invasive. Yeah, it is. Totally. <laughs> Uh, and they describe it as like deja vu for something that hasn't happened yet, mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. And he decides that he is going to get off flight 180 before it takes off. And he tries to warn as many people as possible, which gets other people kicked off in the process. People are like, shut up, dude. Stop saying we're all going to die. Like, you're scaring people. So probably about five or six people get kicked off the plane as a result of his freak out. And then lo and behold, the plane does actually crash, right. which you see sort of happen in the background while everyone's calling him crazy for ruining the trip. The result of the Flight 180 crash is that 
death needs to write the books pretty much it needs to like rebalance its checkbook and kill all these characters that, that were supposed to die in the crash by killing them in the order they were supposed to die. Right. And that's when you get these sort of, like, elaborate Rube Goldberg traps, where, like, one of the first kills is this kid shaving in the bathroom, and you see the toilet start to leak. So, like, water starts seeping across the floor, and he's like, oh, is he gonna slip while he's shaving? Oh, no, now he's trimming his nose hairs. He's gonna slip and shove those, like, scissors up his brain. Right, right. Uh, he plugs in the radio, and I think Rocky Mountain High plays again. Which it, it's kind of like a motif through the movie. And then eventually he does die, but not in the way you were expecting. And it's kind of this, like, sick punchline. Mm-hmm. The movie has, like, this sort of, like, very dark sense of humor. But the atmosphere is still here, where it's, like, a legitimate horror film. Like, the wind blowing and, like, rustling magazines, or, like, the toilet water creeping across the floor... Like, it's very um, intentionally, like, eerie. And it's also the whole idea of, like, you don't know what's going to happen, where it's even scarier because you can't, like... The whole idea of this is, I think, like, especially if you're a person who likes having control of shit and, like, knowing what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, it's terrifying. Yeah, and this one, they stress a lot on, like, luck and fate. Right. Like, you're either lucky and that's how you get off the flight, but you still have to reconcile that you have a fate to die at some point. Right. Uh, And... The elaborate plan from death is to keep sort of gathering all these characters in this, like, one spot and trying to kill as many of them as possible through these, like, freak accidents. Right. Um, And the cops are, like, very curious why this kid keeps showing up at these different people's, like, houses just before they die in these, like, freak accidents. Like, it makes it seem like he's killing them, but it's just not the case. There's, like... One accident he was present at where um, his teacher dies. <laughs> I don't know why it just stuck with me because it's just so gross. They're like, your caramelized blood shoe print stayed in the house. It's like, oh, caramelized fucking blood? Yeah, her Does like... Does that sound disgusting? She like <laughs> accidentally gets impaled on some kitchen knives and like dies in a kitchen fire. And he like pulls the knife out her chest and like leaves his shoe prints in her blood. Yeah. And has his handprints all over the damn knife. The, the funny thing to me is that, like, in that scene, in the bathroom scene especially, there's, like, all these different ways that the character could die. Right. And that's where, like, the movie's strongest thesis is. It's, like, no one has to try to kill you. Like, we're all very vulnerable and can die any number of ways at any moment. So that the part where the thing that actually does them in happens, it's, like, a... Yeah, it's, like, a humorous punchline. It's, like, well... It's the silliest shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, well, we're pretty fucking weak. Like, uh, gravity or uh, just slipping in water can do us in at any moment. Yeah, what I really like about it is just the combination of the, like, genuine spooky atmosphere mm-hmm. and just, like, how ridiculous the deaths are. Like, there's, like, humor there. Um, and also the combination of, like, all these hot teens, which is, like, a very <laughs> scream thing that do. Right. And this, like, brutal gore. Like, the movie, like, kind of smashes together these, like, different sensibilities, even though it's, like, a mainstream horror film, and it is light and fun, and has, like, kind of a pop music kind of vibe. Yes. Uh, the kills are actually very brutal, and the humor is very dark. It had the feeling of, like, a teen rom-com, mm-hmm. but with, like, a really, really gory fucking slasher movie. Yeah. And it's a weird combination that just kind of works very well. <laughs> Like, you wouldn't think it would. But, yeah, it keeps it, like, entertaining where you're not, like, bored or you're not, like, too grossed out. Because the deaths are pretty disgusting, but they're done in such a way where you're not, like, really grossed out by it. Like, you don't have to turn your head. Right. You just kind of watch. There's a lot of blood. It's it's, just... Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think that it gets even gorier as the series goes along. Right. 
And even though it doesn't have the same kind of soundtrack as like the Valentine stuff we were talking about earlier, uh, it does give the titular line of the film to Trent Reznor on the radio, which I thought was kind of interesting. Oh yeah, uh, it's right. like a song from The Fragile plays, and he says, "Final destination." <laughs> yeah, that's when they're like in the car, right? Yeah, and yeah. they're all like drive. Oh, okay, and then yeah. someone immediately gets hit by a bus like ten seconds later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this first movie is very great. It. Passes the Candyman test, so you know it's good. Woo! Tony Todd Congrats. has like a long monologue in the middle of it about death's plan, even though he really has no beat Durf. He has no like credentials or anything. He's just like a spooky guy who works as a coroner. Like mm-hmm. there's really no reason why he knows what death is up to as opposed to anybody else. Well, guess because he sees it every day. Yeah, and he knows a lot about it. Um, did you have a favorite kill from the first movie? Yeah, I think my favorite one is the and the one I was talking about, the teacher death, where it was just like a fucking knife, your toaster's on fire. It was just like one thing after the other. Yeah. yeah I like that one a lot. It's like mundane things can kill you. Very maximum overdrive. Yeah. I guess like the airplane scene is like more of a spectacle piece than anything else that happens. <laughs> when they get burned alive. Yeah, they get their faces <laughs> melted and like the explosion. And somebody even comments earlier in the scene, there's like a baby on the plane and like a kid with Down syndrome. Oh, yeah, it's super sad. And someone's like, man, it would have to be a fucked up god to take down this plane. And then <laughs> it totally happens twice. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess my favorite death is just the kid in his bathroom, like, uh, shaving himself and trimming his nose hairs. Uh, I think that scene is sort of like the series in a nutshell. Like, all these different things could possibly kill him. And it just takes, like, one slip. And after he dies... The water on the ground starts to recede back into the toilet, like, covering its tracks. Yeah. Which I thought was really weird. No one's gonna catch you. Yeah. What are you gonna, like, put death on trial? <laughs> like, like, really <laughs> right. weird to, like, hide the evidence in that scene. And then it doesn't do it for any of the other stuff. I yeah. think it's just the the creepiness of it. Like, wouldn't it be so weird if the water could go back so it'd be like, it, nothing happened. So, one thing we haven't talked about yet is Clear Rivers. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That is a character name. Uh, At first I was like, Claire, Claire. It's like, clear, clear. Oh, okay. Uh, Clear Rivers. Clear Rivers. Obviously raised by hippies. Right. Um, She is a freelance sculptor on top of being a high school student. And she (laughs) makes these like abstract sculptures where uh, they just don't look like anything. She's like, I made a sculpture for you, for Devin Sawa. And it's like a bent piece of metal. Yeah. He's like, that doesn't look like me. She's like, it's it's a sculpture of how you make me feel. So she, yeah, she's like really hippy dippy in an annoying way. There was a side plot where she was supposed to get pregnant with Devin Sawa's baby. Shut up! And they filmed it. And the movie has like a completely alternate ending where they like meet up in Paris later, like sort of fulfilling their destiny. But in the original ending, like... Devin Sawa dies and she gets she she like has his baby at the end and then death still comes for her even though that happened. Whoa, very. That would have been really cool and the baby could have gone and had like like it should have been a death baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, they did, decided not to go that route uh, for right. Final Destination two from two thousand three. Yes. Uh, even though Devin Sawa survives the first film, I guess they couldn't get him to come back for a new one. So. <laughs> Off screen, between the movies, never shown, he's supposedly killed by a falling brick. So that was his destination. Um, would have loved to have seen it. Yeah, yeah. You I know. would have loved to have seen him die, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in this version, uh, Clear Rivers has sort of holed herself up in this padded cell where nothing can get to her. Like, she knows that she's next in Death's List. She's the only it's survivor. Like, God, just let death get you. Yeah. You have to live like what that. What kind of life is that? But since she is sort of, like, off to the side and, like, pulled far away, 
uh, we start with a whole new set of teens, and they <laughs> have the same kind of premonition right. with a large scale pile up on the highway. So you get this like long sort of build up where you see like people doing drugs in their car. There's like a logging truck that looks a little rickety. There's like a drunk driver, uh, trucker, and all these. It's a very busy highway scenario. Right. And then it goes to shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably the best like opening death scene out of all of them, I think. I like this one a lot. And this reminds me of um, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Um, In the beginning, there's a log truck death. And it reminds me a lot of this Final Destination log truck death. Like it just, (laughs) is this a thing? I I get scared every time I see a logging truck. Or just anything. Or like whenever trucks have those like long metal pipes. Oh yeah. Just anything like that. Yeah. You just picture it impaling you through your windshield. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens (laughs) here. Uh, But yeah, a character like has this premonition and like pulls over and saves a bunch of people and then they all die the ways you would expect. Mm-hmm. But it is still, and it's a repeat of the first film, but it's still good. Like I think the second one holds up pretty well and it does pass the Candyman test. Tony Todd appears as the coroner in the movie. Ooh, congratulations. Yeah. The song for the movie, instead of Rocky Mountain High, like the soundtrack song that keeps reappearing is Highway to Hell <laughs> yeah. from ACDC. Because they're on a highway. And that uh, that plays on the radio just before the crash, and then you hear it throughout the film later. Did you have a favorite death in this film? Huh. Let me think about that. Well, you said the traffic scene was pretty good. So I that- did like, yeah. I'm all, every time we say death, I think of like the single. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just that traffic, that whole traffic scene is just fantastic. It's so good. So, yeah. The, I think the other two major <laughs> ones are the one where the metalhead is cooking alone in his kitchen. Yes. And like just oddly throws spaghetti out his window in the middle of it <laughs> onto the sidewalk. And that one's got the same setup as the bathroom scene from the first one where all these different things could possibly kill him. But it ends up he gets killed by, like, the safety ladder from his, like, apartment complex fire escape. Like, it's, like, this thing that wasn't even really happening the whole right. time until he, like, was almost done. And I think the other major death is the uh, dentist office, which has more of a Rube Goldberg quality. Like, all these different things have to go wrong. These, like, pigeons are hitting the window. The fish tank is leaking. There's a construction crew outside. There's a little bit of Brian Usna, the dentist, where, like, there's, like, these gross dental instruments that are, like, right. dealing with this girl. I think there's, like... And, oh, is that... Yeah, when the, um, and the blowfish, like, goes in her mouth. And yeah. And just, like, the whole... Oh, my God, is it gonna inflate? Is it gonna inflate? <laughs> yeah, I think that so might disgusting. be my favorite, just because it's so elaborate for right. no reason. Right, <laughs> It's so stupid. But, yeah, this is, like, one year after Flight 180. The kids know about Flight 180. That's part of the universe. Well... Do you know where Flight 180 took off from? Because there no. seems to be like a Florida vibe going on with these. Like they're going to Daytona Beach, um, Flight 180. I, like, I don't know. I'm just curious if like, it's in the same town. I actually don't know. I didn't even think about that. But I think this one, the characters have some sort of like connection to the kids from the first movie, even though they don't realize it at first. So that sounds likely to me that they uh, are from the same like high school. Right, yeah. right. But for the most part, it feels pretty disconnected until they get Clear Rivers back in. Oh, God. <laughs> and she's so useless. Like She's, she's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was so shitty. Like, they should have just let her die and started fresh with, like, a new group because she was, like, the whole time, like, death. You can't. You have to find a plan. You have to yeah. fix a plan. All of a like, sudden, oh, she's blah. super smart. <laughs> New life can defeat death. Mm-hmm. You, you, like, oh, go back into the cell. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't like her. I guess the new wrinkle they add to the scenario, though, is that the girl who has the first premonition 
about the logging truck and the highway crash. Uh, yeah, she yeah. starts to have more and more premonitions as the movie goes along. But she gets these, like, stray details, like, oh, someone's going to drown. But who was it? Like, and where was it? Right. Uh, and they have to, like, sort of solve the puzzles of, like... And figure out, like, the where... The repeat premonitions. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, but it works. Like, it's a, it's a pretty good echo of the first movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't get bored watching it at all. Do you think it would have been better if they wouldn't have killed off Alex and he would have been there? Like, if he would have been, like, this kind of homeless beard-looking guy in a shed in the middle of the woods, just, like, <laughs> all, like, you know, booby-trapped to, like, defeat death, and they, like, go out to find him. I guess my desire would have been just for Alex to die in the first scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the movie's, like, thesis in general is more, like, why save someone when they're just going to die immediately again anyway? And like you were saying, like, they'd have to live in, like, a padded cell doing nothing to ever, ever escape this fate. So it's like, why fucking bother? Just lay down and let it happen. Exactly. Yeah. And as the movies go along later, they start to find ways to, like, cheat death and get around it happening, but it never works out. Death always, like, gets what it wants by the end. And they're just, like, basically wasting their lives, like, stressing themselves out and, like, trying to figure it out. Trying to figure out death's plan. I have that sort of problem with most, like, apocalypse scenarios. Like, it's like, why (laughs) would I want to survive a zombie invasion? Right. It's like, just just fucking kill me in the first scene. Like, I'm gonna take the wine and pills route. The only thing I think I would enjoy is, like, just being able to, like, go into a store and get what you want and, like, not have to deal with, like, people you don't like anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the third film. Yes. Final Destination 3 from the year 2000. This is, like, when the carnival comes into play. Of course they were going to visit that shit. James Wong. Not James Wan, but James Wong, uh, who was the director of the first movie, he returned for this one. Oh, welcome back. So I would have thought that this would have been the better, like, sequel, but I didn't like it as much. Uh, Like you're saying, it's instead of the carnival, it's more, like, deliberately spooky. I know we were talking earlier about bubblegum pop horror as, like, an aesthetic, and I feel like the first two Final Destination movies feel like teen flicks. Just like regular John Hughesy type teen flicks that happen to be hyper violent, um, and I feel like by introducing the carnival, where you have this like scary hell themed roller coaster and like all these haunted house aesthetic, and right. there's like two goth characters, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead is the main person. She's in Ten Cloverfield Lane and oh yeah, uh, a couple other films. She also has kind of like a mean girl, gothy kind of vibe. Uh, and I feel like it started to appeal more to that like new metal aesthetic more than the first two. Like right. the first two were more like standard teen films. Real, I think I like this one more than the second, like a lot oh, really? more than the second one. Mm-hmm. I liked the whole um, video camera, or I'm sorry, like not video camera, just camera. There's like a digicam. Yeah. Uh, I guess because in the mid-2000s that was like more readily available to people. But yeah, she took a bunch of pictures of the kids before they were supposed to die on this big roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And she has these conspiracy theories about how you can tell how they're going to die based on the last picture that was taken of them before the roller coaster crashed. Like, her sister and her sister's picture, there's, like, a carousel horse behind her, and then, like, they're at some kind of, like, firework, whatever event, and fireworks are going off, and then a horse freaks out and, like, starts, you know, almost killing her. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool, how the pictures, like, had clues as to how they were going to die. That's definitely more interesting than the second movie does the premonitions, like, I have to figure out what this part of my premonition means. Right. That's not as exciting of a new wrinkle as, like, the photographs. I guess what I didn't like as much about this one, though, was just, like, it was less mundane spooky. Like, the spookiness of just, like, trimming your nose hairs or, <laughs> or like, 
cooking spaghetti in your kitchen. That stuff I like a lot better than this one, which is more like, they show like skulls and devils and stuff in this haunted house scenario. Right. And it was just felt like less interesting to me. Like it felt more usual. I, I loved it. Yeah. And also the, um, my favorite death in the entire um, franchise, I think, was in this movie. Is it the tanning bed? Yes. Yeah. The roller roller coaster of love death scene. Yeah. Which is like the first time I think we see nudity in these movies. It might be the only time. That sounds right. Is it? But I thought that one was really cool. So was the first one um, Rocky Mountain High and then Highway to Hell. And then Roller Coaster of Love is kind of like yeah. the refrain for this, this one. the song for this movie. Yeah. And yeah, these like two sorority type bubbly teenagers are... They like let their thongs hang out. They're yeah. drinking their Slurpees. Going to get tanned to look good for the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> and so they funny. get fried in a uh, tanning bed. Yes. That scene is definitely brutal in like a really fun way. Right. It's very I, funny. I kind of bristled a little bit at the way the movie makes fun of them for being like teen bimbos though. I feel like if those characters had appeared in the first movie that the movie would have been on their side. Uh-huh. But like since this is more like the gothy new metal type movie and not like as much of a pop horror film that it was like kind of making fun of them more. Right. Where uh, you kind of want them to die. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I kind of like them. I think they're better people than like the goth kids who work at the hardware store which I feel like is the one the movie wanted you to identify with more. But that scene is undeniably fun. Like the right. Tanning Beth sequence is like a really great kill right where was i going <laughs> so this one is not connected to the second movie at all uh they do reference flight 180 at some point just to tie the whole series together i think the only thing all these have in common other than the death the big death scene in the beginning all the premonitions is that's just a big group of white people <laughs> yeah yeah and tony todd who and is tony not white todd, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> Uh, as far as the Candyman test goes with Final Destination 3, just to prove my theory, he does not appear in the film. Maybe the Tony Todd test doesn't work for my taste. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he voices the Satan on the roller coaster oh, ride. Oh, shut your mouth. I didn't know that. I did like this movie, but I thought it was a little lesser than the ones that he actually appears in. Gotcha. But yeah, I could see, since you have like a, a differing opinion on that, that does put a, uh, a wrinkle in the Tony Todd theory. But I don't know. I don't like... I won't brag about my taste in film. <laughs> you know, I, the Tony Todd theory is probably true. <laughs> well, he's in the movie. Yeah. Just just his voice. Perfectly. Yeah. We don't get to see the coroner, but we do see this like, <laughs> it's basically like a carnival barker, like introducing the roller coaster, except that the barker is this like giant mechanical Satan with glowing eyes. Yeah. Wings and everything. <laughs> what did you think about the roller coaster kill at the front of the movie? Um, I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, it was fun. Um... Because, I mean, every time you get on a roller coaster, it's scary. We've all been on roller coasters. We all know how kind of, like, that thought of it, like, fucking up kind of goes through your head. So this one just kind of shows how easy it is for it to fuck up. Oh, where yeah. It's like, oh, it just got a little slimy. And then, like, a little screw popped off. That's it. And then it fucks up. Like, there's no other sort of safety nets in there to, to help <laughs> out. I think that is pretty terrifying. Yeah, it's just part of, <laughs> part of like, the series being, like, you, we can die at any point. As someone that has anxiety, like, after I watch these movies, like, crossing the streetcar track 
to like get on the other side of Carrollton, I'm just like, oh god, fuck, it's coming. What if I tripped and fell? What if I tripped and fall? <laughs> or like, what if the red light isn't really working on the other side? Just all these like little things where I'm like, did I unplug my straightener? Before I was like all like last week, I like binge watched these movies. Yeah. So before I would leave for work, I was like, did I leave like my stove on? I'd check and I would like tighten all like the little knobs just to make sure like the gas wasn't going off i'm like oh god you know just kind of like double checking every electronic device in the house to make sure that they were unplugged maybe and... the movie's making you a safer person like Aww, it'll yeah. prolong your life a little more maybe so these are things that i should be doing every yeah. day maybe um the movie does shift a little bit from like fate and luck to control yeah. uh mary elizabeth winstead's character is very like obsessed with the idea of like being in control of her life which is what you were talking about at the top. Right. Yeah. It's more about like taking it into your own hands and getting frustrated when you can't do Maybe that. Maybe that's why I liked it. Maybe I like understood her. And then it was kind of cool like they had like the little the sisterly bond situation. Mm-hmm. Their relationship got a little stronger. I guess just where I stumbled a bit was that it moved away from the atmosphere stuff in the first one that I liked so much. Yeah. There's like just a really menacing breeze will blow through the room and like shift things around. You're like, oh, death's here. But, and this one doesn't really have that. But this is more like, I thought you would have liked this one because it's very unfriended. Yeah. You've got the digital death aspect coming <laughs> yeah, yeah, through yeah. with the fucking camera. <laughs> The digicam. The digicam. I do like that aspect. That. <laughs> uh, and I like her, like, conspiracy theories about, like, 9-11 and Lincoln's assassination. <laughs> yes! Yeah. Those are so great. She's such a truther. Yeah, she totally is. <laughs> I just, I don't know, the humor's a little meaner, too. Like, the bimbos and the jocks. Like, the jocks, when they're working out, it's it's just as ridiculous as making fun of the girly tanning Yeah, people. it's very, like, high school. They're, like, grunting and, like... Stereotypical. Yeah. I feel like... If I had seen this in high school when I was still, like, a disgruntled, gothy, mean child, like, I would have identified more with it, because it is taking a stance, like, against, like, the popular kids. I'm still very angsty, so that's why I vibe with it. I don't think I've totally gotten over that stage. Well, the first movie is, like, on the the popular kids' side, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're all, like, popular kids. Well... Except for Claire Waters, maybe. Yeah, and maybe not her. But not so much. Like, I mean, she's not really... No one's really mean to her. But, like, okay, Sean William Scott plays a stifler. He plays a... Uh, right, like a dumb jock. A jock in the first movie. But the movie doesn't really make fun of him for being a jock. Not really. Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't make you, like, dislike the characters. And in this one, when the jocks are working out in their workroom and, like, all these different things could possibly kill them, like, these, like, swords are hanging on the wall for, like, whatever fucking reason. And, like, the workout equipment is faulty... <laughs> And they're grunting, like, yelling almost, like, while they're working out. And they don't a, do that? I don't know. I've never been in a they fucking gym. They might do that. It might be real to life. <laughs> I mean, there's... I, I go to the gym, but I don't go to that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just go in the elliptical because I don't know how to work those machines. <laughs> yeah, these are, like, heavy weights, you know? Right. I'm just like, I don't know. I, am I that judgmental? I don't know. This is, like, making me really go to, like, <laughs> a different place. It's the way they're portrayed yeah. more than anything. Like yeah. I would have been friends with those girls, I think. Yeah. I thought they were really, like, fun and nice. But the movie's a little mean to them. They invited her to go tanning. Yeah, but, okay, in that moment, she, like, rolls their eyes at them, like, why would I go tanning with y'all? You're idiots. Uh, Well, is she the enemy? Main girl? Not in the movie's opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think the movie, like, more sides with her and the goth kids at at the warehouse. The goth kids kind of suck. They do suck. I like, agree. they're really shitty. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, they kind of sympathize when the girls die. They're like, two young girls that, like, they got their lives taken away, shit, instead of being, like, huh, righteous, you know? The goth girl that dies has one of the most gruesome deaths in the film. She, like, 
It's a really long, elaborate thing, but pretty much the punchline is that she falls on a nail gun, and the nail gun just unloads its entire, like, stack of nails into the Can back of her head. you imagine what that would feel like? Oh, it's so horrible looking. <laughs> but that's the most gothic way to die. You know, I'm like, anything else, like a smush, no. There's a lot of, I don't know if it was really in this movie, but a lot of slicing going on in a mm-hmm. lot of these movies where... Yeah. I don't know. I didn't do my research. Maybe I should if, like, these deaths are really possible. Like, if you would land on a nail gun, would you really die that way? I don't know. There's, like, all these, like, safety features on the gun. I guess so. But I, I have no idea. I mean, some of them seem pretty legit, though. Like, mm-hmm. someone gets hung or... That's true. But the elaborate Rube Goldberg setup where, like, all these different pieces have to be in this exact order and for the dominoes this, to fall. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where, like, death becomes kind of a off-screen true. character in the true. film. Well, okay, so we disagree about the third one a little bit, just because you liked it slightly more than I did. Very good. How do you feel about the fourth movie? From the year 2009, it's the first one that's in 3D. It's my least favorite. It's garbage. I hated this movie. First of all, I fucking hate everything about NASCAR. Yeah, the big... So much. I could give two shits if that car flips, and it did, and it was like... The death scene was so shitty where it wasn't even, they didn't focus that much on it. It was so short. It wasn't very graphic. It's just the car flips and there's an explosion and okay. Yeah, that's the big opening spectacle. Instead of the plane crash or the roller coaster or the highway jam, it's a NASCAR accident. so lame. It's so fucking lame. But then here we come to like, I think this film has a lot of the stuff where I'm like, really? Could you die that way? Like when the um, girl, her head gets hit by a fucking tire from the explosion and it just smushes into like a bowl of oatmeal. Would that really happen? I don't know. A tire going that fast? And then, like, another guy gets, like, pushed into a fence. And, like, his body gets sliced through the fence. Yeah, he's pushed at such a full force that he's, like, basically cutting it. But it would have to go through your bones. Yeah. And that's not that strong. I don't know. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. There's really nothing, like, (laughs) pleasant about this movie. Like, the deaths... Or more CGI heavy, I think, is part of oh, you what know, your problem is, too. Like, they don't feel real because they're, like, so computerized. That's true. That, yeah. Very CGI heavy as compared to, like, the other ones, for sure. Yeah. That's when it gets shitty. Also, it opens the fucking Shinedown song. So that makes it shitty. The new metal well. is strong with this one. It is. Shinedown is shitty new metal. I love new metal. Yeah. They're a poor excuse for <laughs> new metal. Is this over the opening credits? Yeah. Okay. So the credit sequence is already making fun of like the 3D gimmick. So like the credits have previous kills from other right. movies, but in this sort of like matrixy like. Remember that movie Eraser with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger? It had like kind of the same vibe. Oh. It's all these like green, like computerized scenarios. Like blueprint looking shit. Exactly. Uh-huh. And basically the whole movie is just like an excuse to have stuff fly at the camera to make fun of, make have fun with the 3D gimmick, you know? And the nail gun comes back in this one. Which I think out of, it wasn't even a death, but it just grossed me out so much. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I really just don't have yeah. much to say about this one. It fails the Candyman test. This is the, <laughs> this is the one film where there is no Tony Todd at all. It's so shitty. And it's such shit. And the thing is, I think like that's why they decided to make a fifth one. They were like, oh, like the fourth one was so successful, we couldn't make it. Because the other name for it was The Final Destination. Yeah, it was supposed to be the end. But in my mind, I'm like, they were like, oh, we can't end the series on this piece of shit. So, like, let's make another movie that's better. The one fucking thing that I liked in this movie was, like, the very end, the death, like, they all get hit by an 18-wheeler, and instead of showing the bodies get all smushed and shit, it goes to that, like, blueprint blueprint digital thing, and it's just, you see skeletons, like, getting their spines cracked and stuff from the wheels. So that was pretty cool. Like, I think that might have been the neatest part. There's a couple... 
deaths that I kind of thought were cool. Let's talk about it. What's going on? Okay. I don't like the end coup de gras where there's a movie theater that explodes. <laughs> and because this is a 3D film, like fire actually jumps out of the theater screen. Woo! So you're supposed to like see yourself in the theater watching this theater blow up. Right. Well, I watched it at home, so I didn't have that effect, but I think it's f- pretty fucking lame from where I'm sitting. Um, <laughs> but in that sequence, um, someone gets sort of like ch- chewed up in the gears of an escalator at oh, the mall. that's a good one. That is good. And that that's sort of disgusting. points to the film's, the series' strengths is those mundane deaths. Like, everyday stuff that shouldn't be scary. Getting... Becomes like your enemy. Right. You get, yeah. Ugh. So I like that escalator death. And I also like the dual sequences of a car wash death and the guy in the pool getting his gut sucked out through his butthole. <laughs> yeah, that because it's like, it kind of, she knows, okay, someone's gonna die and it's gonna deal with water and we're like, is it the girl in the car wash or is it the guy at the pool? Yeah. And you have to kind of figure it out. No other no other film in the series really did that. Right. Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting take and just going back to like mundane stuff, that's like a fear you have when you're like a little kid, like, I'm going to get my gut sucked out of my butthole by the drain. Well, there's a book um, Chuck Palnick wrote. It's gross. Haunted or, yeah, Haunted, where there's like a story of this guy who like gets off on like sticking his asshole in the pool drain. So, but like, I think his intestines get sucked out, but he lives. Mm. Um, But this guy, it's like, it must have, the pool must have sucked like his intestines through his butthole, including the rest of his body. Because then, like, the little part just full, it gets full of, like, blood juice. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> and funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because he's, like, the worst person ever. Like, total... Well, he's the second worst person in the movie. The worst person is the racist, who, like, says the N-word a bunch. And, like, oh. whistles Dixie. And it's just, like... Be true. Be true. Total, like, heel from the first scene. Like, you know you're supposed to hate the guy. There's really nothing interesting about him. Oh, the, yeah, because... Well, that's why he was at the NASCAR track. Right. And then he goes oh, to burn a cross and accidentally gets, like, set on fire and drugged by this own truck. That. Yeah. Uh, it's really gross. It's Did- awesome. Yeah. I guess it's good that he died, but it was like, why did he even need to be in the movie in the first place? Or maybe they were trying to make a statement. About NASCAR? About NASCAR <laughs> racism. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just kind of put it, like, a, a bad taste on my mouth. And it's, like, the first thing you kind of... The first death. Yeah. Other than the big one. Right. I guess the new aspect they try to add to the movie are these like dream sequences mm. but it's just an excuse for more shit to fly at the camera it's not very interesting especially once you're watching it in 2d on a tv it's like if they I don't care if they bring it back in 3d would you go uh yeah i wonder what it would look like when all those like slice scenes where people are getting like chopped up and the blood splattering like does that kind of plop out as being 3d Wait, are you asking me if I would go see Final Destination 4 again in 3D? Or if I would see a sixth movie in 3D? Final Destination 4. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> I was like, okay. I misunderstood I mean, I the question. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe um, if we saw it in 3D, we would think a little differently. It could only improve it. Well, oh, oh, I forgot about the mom death. Is she like the hair salon? Yeah, she like puts her tampons in the kids' ears in the beginning, which so, is super weird. Because the cars are too loud. Yeah. yeah. So she's shoving her tampon, and the, one of the guys is like, why does she have so many tampons? Yeah, because she goes to like the hair salon, and so much shit, I think out of every scene, like how you were kind of talking about earlier, what do you call that again? The something something? Oh, Rube Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. I have no idea what you're talking about when you oh, say that. Oh, okay. Let me, let me show you a picture. 
<laughs> You'll recognize it immediately. Okay. Rube Goldberg. Rube Goldberg contraptions are these sort of elaborate machines that only do a simple thing. Like the Mousetrap board game? Yeah, like Mousetrap is a perfect Rube Goldberg thing. Oh. So it's all these different... Like, uh, you know, the beginning of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, like where he's just making When he wakes toast. up in the morning? Yeah. That's a Rube Goldberg contraption. He's just making eggs and toast. Right. He's got this like whole elaborate setup. He has a these pterodactyl. Different... Yeah. 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 A little juicer. Oh, okay, cool. But Rube yeah, it's like Goldberg. cartoonists do this like single panel yes. contraptions. So out of all the Rube Goldberg style deaths, yeah. which most are, but not all of them. I think this one was the coolest was when the mother goes to the hair salon and the, you know, the fans kind of about to fall out the ceiling. Um, her chair is fucked up. There's, you know, water's going on the straightener. All this shit's happening. And you're like, she's going to die. She's going to die. She's going to die. And then she ends up, she's like walking out like this, <laughs> like blade from that was just randomly out in the yard. Yeah. All those guys cutting the grass, just like gets her in the eyeball. That's the best kind of punchline from these movies. It's like, and she you says, expect I'm keeping my eye on you to her kids. <laughs> and then her eye gets like, just sliced out. That's the best stuff. It's like, right. so you don't expect cool. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to be surprised. You want it to be a little funny. <laughs> How could you die from that though? I do not know. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just seems like you would go blind. Like you wouldn't really die. I guess if it went deep enough, it would go right in your brain. Cause your eyes are just like an extension of your brain. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I I can't really defend anything in this movie. I wish I knew someone that was like, who would know that? Who could I talk to? Medical stuff? Like, yeah. Like, is it possible? Can you watch all the Final Destinations and then let me know Catalog. what was yeah. possible? We need like an outside source we to like... We need an re- expert. Re- re- <laughs> well, this movie has no Tony Todd. It has right. no theme song the way all the other movies have like a reoccurring pop song. This one doesn't have that. I know. Shine Down? Did they play repeatedly no. on the radio? I think at the end they might have played. Nah, but it's not like someone right. hears Shine Down on the radio and is like, oh no, I'm but, getting like an eerie Shine Down deja vu feeling. But that really does happen in real life when you hear <laughs> yeah. Shine Down. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Something bad's gonna happen. Uh, how do you feel about 3D in general? Like, if you go to the movie theater, do you like to pick out 3D? Honestly, like, I'm a very cheap person in general, so I don't like to splurge for it. Mm-hmm. But every time I've done it, I've really liked it. Um, I just think there's some movies where I'm like, like, I saw It in 3D. Oh, wow. I think that was worth it. That was a lot of fun. And before that, what did I see in 3D? I saw Jackass 3 that, in 3D. That was so gross. That was so much fun. I loved it. Yeah. Like, some things are really fun, and then I saw the Alice in Wonderland movie in 3D when that came out and it was okay yeah i was just like oh that's kind of lame i would have rather have seen it without it being 3d i think most people's complaint with 3d is that the glasses make the screen darker uh-huh and that the effect is like distracting but you if i'm gonna to go get s- your eyesight right like you have to align your eyes in a certain yeah, way you have to, to like, really get it you can't just like lean back weird. in your seat or anything right yeah i actually like it like a lot of critics and a lot of audiences complain about it yeah i do get that it's more expensive but if I'm going to go see a gimmicky horror film or, like, a mm-hmm. action film, I find it fun. Like, it's a good, like, fun gimmick to, like, add an extra layer to the film like right. that. Right. No, I think it's fun. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Well, 3D couldn't save this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's just really nothing to say about it. And it kind of disappoints me that it was filmed in New Orleans. It's like Shut the, your mouth. Yeah. Besides the race car scene. But I was looking for... Wait, where were some signs? I don't know. I just looked up the production history. I wonder, like... I looked, I was looking at stuff. I recognized like the trees, like the mossy kind of oak trees looked right, but nothing else looked like the city to me. But yeah, it's kind of a bummer that we got the one shitty one, I think. 
Uh, Should have given us three. Yeah. That's the best. Well, Final Destination 5 from 2011. Probably the last movie in the series. I guess someone could reboot it. I don't think so. I feel like there's another this is, one. You think there's one more? I think so. People really, really like Final Destination. They're fun. Yeah. This, and look at Saw. How long has it been since the last fucking Saw movie? That was they, 11 years. And they come up with Jigsaw. Yeah, and this was only six years ago. So yeah. It's still we, possible. We, it's coming. This one passes the Candyman test. Woo! Uh, actually, more Tony Todd in this movie than ever before. And right. it says featuring Tony Todd. So get his own <laughs> title card. There was a song, it was Dust in the Wind, plays on the radio a couple times, <laughs> yeah. and they added a new wrinkle to the situation in that instead of this being like a teen bubblegum pop movie, the movie sort of grows up with its <laughs> audience a little bit yeah. and becomes this like awkward office place. Young adults. Yeah. Young professionals. Yeah, young profesh humor. Yeah. Uh, and David Koechner... <laughs> who's in like all those Will Ferrell movies and stuff it's so weird he scene. plays the boss in this movie and the movie kind of plays like a screwball comedy mm-hmm. in that way it's just as violent even more violent than some of the other ones but is more like humorous purposely yeah humorous yeah like especially the massage parlor scene I mean that's super funny I did not laugh during that scene. You didn't laugh like when he fell and the pins were in him and then he was like, ooh, I made it. And it was, then I just, like, more shit just kept happening and building and building and building. It was kind of like the racist character in 4 for me. Mm-hmm. This guy is, like, a sexist pig is, like, his whole character. And he talks on his phone all the time and hits on women at his workplace. Yeah, and, but he dies. And he dies. But it's like, why did you even need to introduce me to this guy in the first well, place? Well, because they want us to hate them. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're, like, making them likable. They're just like, oh, here's a piece of shit, and they're going to die in a very brutal way. That might be why I like the first one the most, is because the characters aren't, like, caricatures like that. They're just, right. they're Normal. they're not very deep characters. They're just high school students. But you're not supposed to hate them because they're sexist or racist or anything like that. Like, they're just, right. like, normal people who yeah. aren't necessarily good people they're just like happen to be like every everybody like someone you can see yourself in uh the guy who is a racist sexist pig who gets acupuncture and burns to death and gets crushed by a buddha statue (laughs) i don't necessarily see myself in that guy like he he just seemed like he was (laughs) built up to be hated and then you're supposed to take pleasure in his death which i didn't find as interesting Mm -hmm. that was actually probably my least favorite part of the movie really yeah I like the death a lot. I've heard people say this is one of their favorites in the series. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's my favorite, but I thought it was better than the fourth one at least. Yeah. I liked how there were like sort of nods to the other movies throughout this one. Like there's a picture of like is it Olivia? She um there's a picture of her at the roller coaster. Oh wow. Satan's flight, like on her desk. And then like in the beginning death scene while they're on the, the suspension bridge, there's a log truck. That's passing them Oh, up. yeah, I didn't notice that. And then I think uh, there's NASCAR playing on TV while they're out and about at a bar. And then they're on flight 180. So it's kind of like a nod to all the other Final Destinations within the movies. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. And this one continues the 3D gimmick from the last one, too. Yes. There's a lot of stuff flying at the screen. People liked it that they brought it back. Do you have a favorite death? Like, I know the, the spectacle of the bridge scene's pretty long and there's a lot of Very gruesome long. stuff in there. I don't know. I'm going to go back to the... Acupuncture? Right, because every time people get acupuncture done, I'm like, oh my God, could they go into you if you turn a certain way? If you definitely fall off the table onto the needles, they can go into you. (laughs) Yeah, so it was just kind of like... And he was still alive, so it's like you have all these needles in you, so they're probably like punctured so many different organs, and you're slowly like internally bleeding. 
Oh. I think my favorite death was the gymnast. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. So good. So. Ugh. They do a little bit of a Rube Goldberg situation where like all these different <laughs> things could possibly kill her, but they have to like work in unison for okay. it to happen. But instead of her being crushed or destroyed while she's doing her parallel bars gymnast routine, she basically is distracted by this other thing that, that happens and just lands wrong and her body is just like broken and impaled on she the ground. She snaps in half. It's so literally. gross. And like they show like her leg. I think that's the grossest thing in general is like even whenever people like in car accidents and they have like pictures and stuff when their like leg bone comes out what of their leg. There's, there's two different kinds of fractures. Oh. I can't remember what that one's called. It's so annoying. They're like, are you okay? Hey, they're like screaming her name. And I'm like, this girl is cracked in half. She's totally dead. <laughs> I like this movie. I think the first one is the best in the series though. It's just, they get cheesier. Yeah. It's like, the first one I thought was more of like, it was a serious movie. It's atmospheric. They took it seriously, and then it just got like sillier and sillier and sillier to where the movie's almost making fun of itself. I've never seen that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Happening, but from what I understand, it's the same vibe. I liked it. People hate that movie. Things are just wrong, and you just kind of feel it, and like, the wind is like creepy, and they call it- nothing physical. They liken it to deja vu, you know- and this one doesn't have that at all. This is, mm-hmm. it's got some action adventure moments, which just kind of surprised me, especially when the suspension bridge is broken at the beginning. Right. Um, and it's got a lot of awkward office place humor, um, especially with David Koechner. And I, I don't mind that. I think it's fun. It's a good. It's definitely better than the fourth one. Yeah. So the suspension bridge thing. Wh- what year was this again? This is 2011. 2011. So this is like post Mothman Prophecies. Do you remember that movie? That sounds familiar. The, in that film, is it's that based Gere? on a true story. Yeah, where there all these people are on the suspension bridge during the holidays, and then it busts. It just fucking breaks, and then there's like little Christmas presents floating, <laughs> and people are all dying and drowning. So I think after seeing that, I was every time I go on a suspension bridge, I'm like, oh god, and then like <laughs> this happens, and it's like, oh god. It's, it's back again. Because I've never seen this movie. This was a, a first time for me. So that brought that back that fear. So It's a long Jesus. sequence, too. Like It's not like any one fear you have about a bridge collapsing. It's like every single one. Right. It's like, what if you fell and then got impaled on like the, what do you call that, rhubarb pipe? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What if, what if uh, one of the wires that holds the bridge up snaps and then just like cuts you in half as it whips around? Like, Slice action. All about slicing in these movies. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's it's kind of just pointing to how, like, fragile and, like, not built to last our bodies are, I think. Right. Ugh. God, it just makes me so nervous. Like, everything. Like, if I walk out of my house to go to my car, what if the tree falls on me? What if I trip and then there's a weird piece of metal on the ground and it goes through my throat? <laughs> okay, well, we both agree the fourth movie in the series, not shit. so good. It is shit. Okay. You and I are sort of differing on the second and third one being the better one. Right. As, as a sequel. Right. But we agree that the first one The first is one fantastic. is essential. It's I think you have good. to watch it. Ugh, I want to watch it again. Just talking about it. Although the movies we watched today, we watched five. No, we watched six films. Mm-hmm. I was really into Valentine and yeah. I was really into Final Destination. Nice. And the other ones are mostly like just kind of fun after effect. Mm-hmm. And that might just be like... Because those were just early post-Scream slashers and right. these like sequels sort of just sort of like echoed and switched up the formula from there. But um, I think you have to watch Final Destination, the first one, if you've never seen it. Totally. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And I, th- I think that more people should watch Valentine. I, <laughs> I think that... It's a good movie. It just kind of got lost. 
Especially in the men's right activist age where we need to make fun of these like online nerds, neckbeards more than we do. Uh, I think that movie is like a good thing to return to. <laughs> I swear for the next few episodes, we are not going to do horror. <laughs> We're going like, to get away from this. It's uh, just, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's so good because it's, it's, it's stupid and it's scary and you, it's just everything at the same time. You can have all elements in a horror movie. Yeah, I I like watching that stuff year round. Yeah, um, but it's just by the time I get to Halloween, when I so sick of it. yeah add more to my schedule than I already watch regularly, it gets a little to be a bit much. Yeah, I think like at this point in the month, even though we still have a couple of days left in October, no more horror movies. I'm only gonna watch the Bugs Bunny Halloween special. <laughs> well, I have a bunch of reviews stacked up from New Orleans Film Fest. Woo! So as soon as the first is over. Cool. I'm going to try to get those out of the draft box and just have like reviews for non-horror, like indie films, a lot of smaller stuff. I'm trying to get that out of the way. Nice. And next month for movie of the month, starting on the 1st of November, we're going to be talking about a Bob Dylan rock uh, drama. Basically, Bob Dylan comes in as like an 80s rocker, which is not his mode at all. No. And he tries to start in this like kind of sexy road drama with a uh, young woman named Fiona. <laughs> It's a beautiful film. Um, it will never leave you. It'll haunt you forever. <laughs> You'll never look at Bob Dylan the same again. I never liked his music. I hated it more after I saw this movie. Hearts of Fire? Yeah. But it's just, it's so fucking good. I don't know what it is about it. But well, next episode of the so podcast, good. you and I do in about a month, we'll be talking about that movie like on the mic Hell too. Hell so yes. Be fun. Yes. And uh, we'll see y'all soon in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Peace out.